You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. If you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. And as you're doing that, I want you, I want you to hear this question that I ask you today. And you may think you know the answer, and you may know the answer. But the question is this, what should our attitude towards earthly riches be? What should our attitudes towards earthly riches be? Because what we're going to be looking at today, we're continuing through the teachings of our Lord. We're going through Luke's gospel, and what Coach did last week was he began in chapter 12, and this is the the nuts and bolts, the the meat and potatoes. This is what we come for. These are the moral and kingdom teachings of Christ. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the stuff that we can put into practice today. So when we look at, at Luke chapter 12, we're looking at these teachings And so what we're going to look at this morning are two parables. We're going to look at two parables, or in other words, two illustrations that Jesus used that will help us answer that question. What should our attitude towards earthly riches be? Now, I want to read you this out of Matthew 13, because his disciples asked him when he spoke in a parable, he says, or they asked him, why do you speak in parables? why don't you just say it? And his response was this. He said, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. That was his response as to why he speaks in parables and not just come out and say it. Because let me put it this way, our minds, their minds, we can't comprehend it. Because a parable is a kingdom truth, a kingdom truth with an earthly illustration or application. And we need to keep in mind that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. A Jewish rabbi was a teacher by every essence of their nature. And so these rabbis would give excellent, excellent illustrations that were, a lot of them were agricultural in nature so that The richest person could understand that, and the poorest person could understand that. The most educated and the probably lowest IQ could understand what it is that Jesus was talking about. So have you found Luke chapter 12? I want to look back, and I just want to read it real quick. Um, And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time because Coach covered this last week. But what he did was you have Jesus teaching all of these things excellent, excellent things in the first 12 verses. And there's, there's so many good things. I encourage you, if you missed last week, go and download the podcast, download the, the YouTube uh, video, go back and listen to it because Coach did such a wonderful job of just letting the text speak for itself. But what happens is Jesus is, is preaching to the crowd He is teaching these kingdom principles, these moral principles. Then you have some Yahoo out in the crowd, and he says in verse 13, 
said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's like, what? Where did that come from? I'm teaching about the Holy Spirit. Pipe down over here. But what Jesus does is he said, okay, who made me judge over you? I'm not your arbitrator. Why are you asking me to do that? But verse 15 is where Jesus, this is going to be kind of our launching off point for today. And I've got it up here on the screen. I put it in the New King James Version. I love teaching out of the New King James. But I also include the New Living Translation. So the New King James says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. I love the New Living Translation because it's very simply put, Beware. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And again, I ask that question, what should our attitude towards earthly riches be? So let's look at the the first parable. So Jesus is taking verse 15 of beware of that greed. It's not all about the stuff. That's an easy way. That's a kind of a West Texas version of what Jesus just said. It's not about the stuff. Watch out for the greed. So he's going to do use two parables to illustrate what his position is. So when we look at ourselves as Christians, we should look and say, okay, that's what Jesus believes. I'm going to align myself with what he believes, not what I think and not what the world teaches me. So let's go ahead and look at verses 16 down through 21. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Then God said to him, fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. Then those, then whose, let me try that again. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, just for a second, I want to key in on verse 21. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I have heard this verse used to strong arm people into giving and tithing to the church. And what I mean by that is if you look at that verse, so is he who lays up treasure for himself. They say, oh, you're not tithing to this church? So you're storing up treasures for yourself. You don't want to be rich towards God. This is the house of God. Are you not giving to this church? And they browbeat you into giving. That is not at all what this is talking about. I also heard, and and Coach and I were talking about this. Of course, he's a lot harsher than I am. Tom and I are nice guys. We, you know, present the, then there's Coach. And I I hope he's watching right now. Coach, he sees your, your feet right there. He intentionally walks over, puts on his heavy boots, laces them up, kind of stretches a little bit, and then he, boom, 
that is what he does. But it is not him. It is the word that does the stomping, not coach. But him and I were, were talking last week after his message. Again, if you missed that, we had some people watching remotely. Their response was, ooh, ouch. Not for themselves, but I can't believe he just said that. I'm, that's all I'm going to tease about it. Go back and listen to it. But we were talking afterwards, and it's, it's, his point was about the greed of people who do things in the name of the Lord. I actually sat in a meeting one time, and this particular preacher said, yeah, we're going to take a special offering up this evening. One of my backup jets needs a new hanger. So that's what this money is going to go for. And it took everything in me, that little vein in my forehead, just pulsated. And it's like, oh my gosh. So, but I digress. The Apostle John says this, and I don't have a slide for it. This is 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. It says, for all that is in the world, listen to this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So going back to this first parable, this is a rich man, a wealthy man who had a big plot of land. He got a bunch of crops and all of this kind of stuff, and he put that in the barns, and he was like, oh man, my barns aren't big enough. I need to tear them down to build bigger. But I want you to, to notice this. There is a distinction that not just Jesus who is telling this parable, but it says, God said to him, says, look at, at verse... Um, 20. Yeah, verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. So you have two different things. You have his crops, his abundance, then you have his soul. Let me put it in another way. You have earthly stuff, then you have eternal or spiritual stuff. There is a distinction between these. But also there is a warning. There is a warning that there is a false sense of security that one is in conjunction with the other. So if you look back at this parable, the guy said, you know what? I will say to my soul, soul, you have soul, the eternal, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. His soul was lured into a false sense of security. Why? Because there was something that he could see, physically see, that he was like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good for the next couple of years. But then God says, okay, I want your soul. He's like, wait, wait a minute, but I got all this stuff. He's like, uh, I want your soul. I want the eternal. And I just make God sound like a goblin, like give me your soul kind of thing. But that's not what I'm talking about. Here in the, the parable, God says, Tonight, your soul will be required of you. Then he asks this question, says, once I get your soul, then what? Where's all of this stuff going to go? 
And that's a rhetorical question. But Jesus illustrates this in verse 21, saying, So is he who lays up treasure for himself, earthly treasures, and is not rich towards God. So there's the distinction. There's two things happening. The earthly goods and then the spiritual, the eternal. That's what Jesus is illustrating. I know that, that you guys have all heard this, he who dies with the most toys still dies. You've heard of people, I'm, I'm sure you've seen pictures, people being buried like in a Cadillac or something like that. Good luck with that. People do that kind of stuff. What Jesus is illustrating is that it's not bad to have things. He's asking, he is more in tune with what is happening eternally. What is happening with your soul? And there is so much, so much that could be said about money in the Bible that we could teach forever and ever on it. But what we're going to do this morning is we're going to keep a very, very narrow focus and just keep it to these two parables. Now, I will say this. Money is a tool. Money is a tool. It is meant to be exchanged for what? Goods and services, right? If someone provides me a service, I pay them money. If I need someone to come mow my yard, they're providing me a service. In turn, I pay them money. So let me ask this question. Is money bad? No. Money is not bad. So let me give you an, an illustration. And ladies, you should be very familiar with this proverb, but Proverbs 31 is talking about the virtuous wife. When you look at some of her qualities and, and characteristics, what's a really, really good thing? It says right there, she considers a field and buys it. If money's bad, how can she buy it? That's the first part. But the second part, from her profits, she plants a vineyard. So if money is so bad, how can she do all of this kind of stuff? It's not bad. Money is a tool. And again, my question to us this morning is what should our attitude towards earthly riches be? So this virtuous wife, she considers the field and she buys it. But from her profits, she plants a vineyard. So there is profits from what she's doing. She's doing commerce. She's doing all of this, but she's doing wise investing. So no, money is not a bad thing. Jesus teaches us a lot about money. But society has taught us more. And shame on us for that. Society says, if you don't have stuff, you ain't nothing. If you don't have the latest and greatest iPhone, yes, my brother's watching. He's one of those. If you don't have that latest, sorry, Jeff, you have that latest phone, somebody's going to be, oh, he has an iPhone uh, 8, not the 22 or whatever's out there right now. But we are taught that earthly, that only earthly riches matter. The Bible teaches us differently. So real quick, back to verse number 15. 
Jesus warned about every kind of greed. And I'm going to make this case. Money is not the issue. Greed is. You've heard the said that money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. As we're going to see here in just a second, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So jump with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I think it's important for us this morning to look at this because we need to understand as a Christian, where should our focus be on earthly riches? So we've already identified they're not a bad thing. Money is not a bad thing. But I want you to see what the Apostle Paul who received divine revelation from Christ himself before he went and preached to the Gentiles, Paul understood it. Paul got it. Whereas everyone else is still kind of scratching their heads of wondering, you know, I live in this world, but, you know, I want to operate as a Christian, but Paul got it. And he's giving instruction to Timothy. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. As in, in this next verse, verse 7, is for that guy who was buried in his Cadillac. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Verse number 8, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those, watch these next couple of words, who desire to be rich desire to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition or judgment. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced them, themselves through with many sorrows. So here is Paul saying, watch out for greed. Back in Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus said, beware of greed. It is that insatiable desire, that hunger for more stuff. The stuff is not bad, but that hunger, that covetousness, desire for more and more is. And what Paul does in, in this letter to Timothy is he lays out examples saying, here's why. When they are greedy, here's what is going to happen. It's almost like a, a blueprint. It says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction. It is that greed inside of us. But he also points this out, that many have, uh, for which some have strayed from their faith in other words, I follow Jesus, I follow him wholeheartedly, I love him, he is awesome. Yet, let me chase this greed over here. We are leaving our faith to chase after this greed. And again, that word beware that we talked about from Jesus. Beware of greed. That's what he is saying. But Paul is not the bearer of, of only doom and gloom. But watch this. Watch verse 11. This is 1 Timothy 6, 11, and 12. 
And this is kind of our, our, what we like to hear at church. But you, O man of God or woman of God, flee these things. Flee that greed and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Saying, here's the warning, don't chase after greed, but instead flee that greed. But man, here is the good stuff. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Christians, this morning, this is what we need to hear. We need to reset our thinking. And I'm not saying you need to reset. We all need to reset our thinking and kind of get it back in line with what our Lord is teaching. And so today is Independence Day. It's what we celebrate for independence. As a nation, we were set free from the King of England, King George. We declared our independence. We said, we are no longer going to be a part of what you're doing. We are going to do something new. And I want to challenge you with this. If you don't get anything else from this message, get this. When we celebrate our freedom, we understand the price that Jesus Christ paid for each and every one of us. He set us free from the bondage of sin and death. Now we have eternal life through him, which is awesome. But what he has also done, he has set us free from how we approach and operate in this world. Let me give you uh, an example. And I don't have a slide for this. This is for free. It's not in my notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The Apostle Paul talks about the people who have not placed faith in Christ. It says, the God of this age, which is a reference to Satan, have blinded people. So people who have not placed faith in Christ are walking around with blinds on. When they place saving faith in Jesus Christ and him alone, they're no longer blind. What does the line say? I once was blind, but now I see. Amen to that. Spiritually, we see that. So when we celebrate Independence Day with flags and sparklers and you know all of that kind of stuff, I want you to think about our freedom here on this earth as Christians we don't have those blinders on anymore. So we see this world for what it truly is, a fallen, infallible place. Now, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. So our thinking should be different from everywhere else that you see. I'm running short on time, so I'm going to go, let's go back to Luke chapter 12. So what he's going to do, that first parable that we saw about the rich man with his barns, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to give us another parable in two examples. So the first one, be rich towards God. Don't worry about earthly riches. So let's look at Luke 12, verse 22. It says, then he said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, now, let's stop right there. 
So this is on the heels of Jesus saying, don't only put your faith in what you can see, but be rich towards God. It is more important about the eternal than it is the temporary. So when he says, therefore, I say to you, he is bridging the gap saying, yes, don't forget what I just said, but here's further example. He says, therefore, in regards to earthly goods, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body or what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. That's awesome. So what he does is he uses two illustrations, two examples, and we find these in verses 24 down through 28. He says, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? So those verses, let's summarize it. Don't worry. Stop worrying. Number two, found in verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into oven, how much more will he clothe you? Watch this. Oh, you of little faith. So what Jesus is doing is he is saying your faith. He, he is talking to his learners, his disciples saying you of little faith. You are putting your faith in what you can see. You are putting your faith in the stuff. Stop doing that. Put your faith in the eternal. So their faith was in, in what they could see, just like us. Just like us. Not a whole lot has changed from 2,000 years ago until today that we still have faith in what we can see. It's tangible. We can hold a gold bar, even if the talk, talk, stock market tanks, try that again, stock market tanks, we can still hold that bar of gold or cold hard cash. We can hold that versus just numbers on a computer screen. But just like the Apostle John pointed out in 1 John chapter 2, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What Jesus is saying, oh, you of little faith, we need to change the way that we think. We need to have an eternal outlook. Bring that to the forefront of our mind versus the tangible, the stuff that we can see, that we can touch. We need to have faith in him and in his kingdom, and to not worry about the earthly things. He goes on to say in verse 29, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. Watch this, and your father knows that you need these things. So you may be thinking, okay, Lord, I need a Ferrari. I really do. I've got, you know, I can't walk anymore. I need a Ferrari. 
That's an extreme example, but our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things, what we should eat, what we should drink. But Jesus is saying, don't get hung up on those. In verse 31, he says, but seek the kingdom of God and all of these things shall be added to you. Again, I ask that question. What should be our attitude towards earthly riches? And I want to look, let's look at verse 34. And for the sake of time, I'm kind of skipping a couple of those. Verse 34, where your, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our focus should be on kingdom growth. Notice I didn't say church growth. I would love to build stadium seating, theater seating here in Freedom Fellowship with a retractable roof and all of that kind of stuff. I would love to do that. If he writes us a check, you never know. Yeah, I know you can. Ask him about the bottle rockets later. Um, But it is kingdom growth, not church growth. Church growth, in my opinion, is selfish. If I only want this church to grow and not the one across the street. Kingdom growth is I want every single church on this stretch of highway, Northwest Arkansas, even to California and West Coast, every single church to grow. That is kingdom growth. That is not church growth. That is kingdom growth. So Jesus tells us, be rich towards God. What does that look like? He says, do not fall into the trap of chasing greed and our selfish earthly desires. And I'm going to say this, that we should all give. Maybe think, oh, there's a preacher man talking about money. I knew knew that was coming. No. Give towards God's kingdom. Maybe thinking, well, I already give to this church. Give. I didn't say just money. Give your time. Give your witness to people that you work with. Give things that you have in your house that you don't use anymore. If that can be something that ministers to someone, Gosh, I wish we had a program. Oh, maybe missions would be a good term for it. Here at this church that reached outside of these walls. Holy mackerel, go see Gail Ganaway afterwards. Let her take you through that room that we have back there. That is an excellent way to do that. Give your time. Mentor someone, disciple someone. Teach them the things of God. See, giving is not just whip out your wallet and, you know, swipe your debit card and, you know, you're good to go. God loves me now because I gave to his king. No. As Christians, our eyes should be on the eternal, not just the temporary. To put it another way, let's use this tool that the Lord has blessed us to bless other people. Why? Because that kingdom of God is going to grow by one, by two, by three, by four. 
and it will continue to do so. So money is a tool here on this earth. In this big thing, our attitude should be towards the eternal, not just the temporary. Because the world tells us, better look out for old number one. You and your family, I don't care what anybody else is doing, we are gonna be taken care of. I don't care about that person across the street. As long as we're taken care of, that's not my problem. That's what the world teaches us. But the Lord teaches us to keep our eyes on the eternal, not what we can see, what we can touch. And I want to close with this. As we celebrate Independence Day today, I want you to think about this. And I don't have slides for it. I should have, but I didn't. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, again, kind of bringing this all full circle, that Jesus has set us free. He has taken the blinders off of our eyes. We see the work of Christ. We see finances for what it is. It is a tool to help further the kingdom. Galatians 5.1, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version for these next two verses. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery, which you were once removed. So what does that mean? Don't put the blinders back on and say, nope, nope, nope. I, I liked it when I could accumulate wealth and not have to give any, you know, that kind of thing. Christ set us free. He liberated us. He ripped those blinders off. Paul is saying, don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. But then he goes on in verse 13. This is Galatians 5.13. John, if you guys are ready. It says, for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, were called to freedom. Not freedom, fellowship freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, and selfishness, but through love serve and seek the best for one another. That is true freedom in Christ. That is understanding his work, what he has done for us. Christ called us to freedom. He said, don't let us use that for anything other than lifting up your brother or your sister in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that went forth here today. Father, we ask that you help us to retrain our way of thinking. We may have lost sight of this, and that's okay. Lord, we repent of that. We want our thinking to be in line with what you say and what your word says. And so, Father, through the help of your Holy Spirit, we just ask that you guide us into that. And, Father, we want to glorify you in everything that we do with an eternal mindset. That, Father, when we leave here today, we want that eternity to be right on the forefront of our brains. That when we look at things, we look at them in an eternal 
manner, not just a, a temporary one. And Father, that is not something that we can accomplish in and of ourselves. And so, Lord, we just ask that you guide us and lead us into that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask this. And amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.